Welcome to Build Your Thing, the podcast where we help content creators find their unique creative voice, build their tribe of loyal fans, and monetize their work. I'm your host, Matt Giaro. And if you are a content creator or an entrepreneur, then you probably know that email lists are literally money printing machines. But did you know that not all your email subscribers are created equal? If you truly want to max out the most out of your list, then segmenting your subscribers based on their interests and their pain points makes total sense. And guess what? This is exactly what we are going to explore in today's episode with my guest, Jan Kosh. So, Yan is passionate about email marketing, building audiences, and building powerful professional networks online. He works as an event success director at the Global Scale Fest conference and also runs a solopreneur business helping creators and online business owners grow their revenue with email marketing. So buckle your seatbelt because today we're going to dig deeper into email marketing and email segmentations. Let's get started. All right, Jan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's great. It's a pleasure. And like we've been chatting a little bit before me hitting the, the record button. And I think we have a lot of things come in, in common. And one of them is that we enjoy more long form content than short form content. This is why I think you're so bold on email. And we are going to talk about email on this episode a lot. But before that, uh, could you introduce yourself to the audience? 100%. Um, my name is Jan. I'm a entrepreneur and the dad of a two-year-old daughter. I live here in Germany. I've been in online business since 2013, have done some virtual events, um, reached a couple of hundred thousand people with those, sent probably around two million newsletters over my career over the past few years. And right now I run The Uncommon Solopreneur focusing on solopreneur businesses, creator businesses, and helping them grow through email marketing. Awesome, awesome. So like, we almost started the journey at the same time. Like I perhaps started maybe two or three years before you uh, when it comes to, you know, building niche sites and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So obviously, like we have been, we are probably, let's say, for creators who are listening to this and who are, who are like, who are just starting out like we may be some kind of dinosaurs of of the internet <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny i i still feel like i have no idea what i'm doing even a decade into this thing yeah like it's it's, it's a rabbit hole there are so many things that you yeah. can master there are so many things that you can learn and constantly especially like in this online marketing uh, space that there is like always you know the the new shiny tactic and the new shiny thing and like well it can be very very overwhelming just keeping yourself up with what others are are actually doing and, and preaching and, and and shouting on on the internet right yeah and it's i feel like there's this phenomenon of the more you know the more you know that you don't know mm -hmm. where especially when it when it comes to as we said uh, before the recording short form content versus long form content there's different types of copywriting skills that you need to have and there's different types of research that needs to go into the copy that you create and then weave email marketing into this and you are also talking about technical things like deliverability segmentation automation all those buzzwords then throw video content into the mix and you are also talking about how do you edit videos how do you select the right gear and things like that and it's it's just endless exactly and one of the things that i'm tackling in my in one of the in one of my free courses like i'm going to leave the link down below is that every part of the things that you have to do as a creator can be a full-time job so let's say go back 10 years ago um Obviously, like you could hit Google's front page in in just a few weeks. Um, yeah. When it came to video, I mean, you just you like you just launched, let's say, a um, a software on your computer. You started recording your screen, talking on a PowerPoint. Everything was fine. But today, like the level of sophistication has become um, so high that every part of your of your of what we have to do can be a can be a full-time job so email marketing just the segmentations just just the automation just the fact that let's say you want to edit a video and with scripting the video the thumbnails like 
all the all these things like it just like it just seems so overwhelming there are so many things that you have to master today so yeah yeah i couldn't agree more and i also think it's more important than ever to just be yourself in the process and to to embrace your personality and to be okay with making mistakes because when when you get into this mindset of I need to think everything through before I take action. That's where you lose your momentum and where there's just no results going to come your way. Yeah, exactly. Because like if you especially like if you're a perfectionist, like wink for everyone who who recognizes himself in, in, in being a perfectionist, is that like you just think that you have to learn more, you have to learn more, you have to learn more. And at the end, like learning is good, but learning by doing is is even better. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a tough thing right now, right? You really have to to really master, and this is something that I that I always talk about. You really have to master the the eighty twenty. Like, just let's say if you want to, um, let's say uh, start a start a YouTube channel, then just master the the twenty percent that really move the needle, right? Instead of just you know focusing on on every on every tiny detail. Yeah. And that that's why I like email marketing so much, because it feels like I'm just talking to one other person. When mm -hmm. I write my emails, I always have my ideal client in mind who I want to receive or who, who I imagine receiving that email. And so it's like having one-to-one -one conversations, but at scale with thousands of people or tens of thousands of people. And for me, it's an easier way to be myself. It's an easier way to sell And it's an easier way to build relationships rather than just being on, on social all the time or trying to create a YouTube video a week or something like that. Let me just ask a question. Jan, are you an introvert? I am, yeah. Okay, so like I think that this is... like I was really thinking about this um, this week, actually. And there is like one... like I really lo would love to get your, your perspectives on that. But there is like something that I... Like, you know, I was just, you know, uh, going through my notes and there is like something interesting that I, that I, that I realized is that when you're introvert, you're really bad at competing for attention, which means that let's f forget about the internet. Let's say you were just, let's say at the, at the event, when you're an introvert, you're not the first who's going, let's say to, to go on stage and try to capture or, you know, capture everyone's attention, right? You were just like sitting there. You just want anyone who uh, come to you and, and and talk to you, right? And 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 but when you are, let's say, an an extrovert, like it's it's a, it's a complete opposite. And I feel like the especially when it comes to social media, um, it's it's really like I'm here competing for your attention. But when people yeah. are on your email list and they're receiving your emails, is that they are asking they they already like you already have their attention and they are asking you like uh please you know it's like uh, i i want to know more about this so it's like a complete different um let's say um a complete different situation this is why i think like people like us do better in in this kind of marketing so i would really love to hear a thought about that that's a very important point that you are bringing up and That's something I tell everybody who says I'm just emailing once a month because I don't want to annoy my list and I don't want to send them too many emails. But guess what? When they gave you their email address, they said, please tell me what you know. Please tell me more about yourself. Teach me what you know. Give me that free lead magnet and then continue educating me. And you are actually doing them a disservice by not emailing them. And it's also, I think lowering the barrier of what do i need to write about in my emails and the level of sophistication that goes into scripting a youtube video for example is way higher than writing an, a daily newsletter or even a weekly newsletter because you can just share stories i think more natural in emails it don't doesn't have to be as much content can be 100 words can be 200 words Whereas comparing that to, let's say, a YouTube video, I would spend probably 15 minutes, 20 minutes just coming up with ideas for YouTube videos. And then I'd spend an hour trying to craft a script for that. And don't get me started on recording that script.
Yeah, and then especially then when you have to do editing and all the other stuff. So <laughs> yeah, this is something like yeah. yeah awesome, awesome. So, please go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Okay. Um, what I wanted to say is, with, with email, the best performing emails that I've ever sent had nothing to do with business. For example, I sent one email when this whole um, virus craze came up at, in 2021. And I said, let's just get through this together instead of fighting with each other, not taking any position on the situation, but just saying, hey, let's not forget we are in this together and we are here to help each other. That email got the, the single most um, responses and engagement and landed me a, f a multiple five-figure client from, from that conversation that sparked um, through this email. And I think many people overcomplicate sending emails to their list. You you have this feeling like they deserve the best and I have to give them valuable content and I have to give them everything I know, but then also I can't give them everything I know because what would they pay me for if I taught them everything in an email? And the the point is value is defined in various ways if you tell an inspiring story if you make people laugh that's also valuable so when you run out of ideas think about what you remember from last week what what made you feel good from last week and just write about that that's what people want to hear if they are on your list exactly and this reminds me of the interview that i had with ben saddle a few a few months ago I'm going to, we're going to, to link to that in, in the show notes where we actually talked about like the whole thing, like the overcoming this, the daunting, let's say a uh, feeling of, well, I can't email my list uh, daily. And there is one interesting thing that, that he mentioned is that if you want to be perceived as a leader in your, in your niche, then you should have something to say every day and just say and, and share this with your with with your email list and i remember like when i when i started my first email list back in 2010 i was like so scary of sending emails like i just wanted to send an email when people subscribe just give them their freebie and then perhaps following up with them after two days five days seven days and there was like all this crazy stuff where well you have to use the the fibonacci kind of sequence in order just to get things right and i was just so <laughs> over, over, over complicating it so all this to say, all this to say, um, we are here today to talk more specifically about email segmentation. So when you keep things simple, you just have, let's say, one main list. But what are, what are the issues when you keep things simple and just, you know, forget about segmenting your list? The problem is that humans have this nasty tendency to evolve we change interests we change job positions our goals change our family situations change so no two email subscribers you have on your list have the same situation somebody signs up for a lead magnet let's say you are a dating coach and you you give uh, men people how to how to date attractive women and how to not fall silent or say stupid things when you try to approach a, a lady they uh, the men are signing up for different reasons one feels um, uncomfortable with the way they look the other person thinks they're overweight and that's why they need help in in dating somebody else has been maybe burned badly has been hurt badly by by a relationship so there are three different different angles that you need in just that example to sell your coaching services. And with segmentation, what you do is you qualify your subscribers based on what they want to achieve and the situation they find themselves in right now. Because especially when you sell high-ticket item, let's say anything above $2,000, $3,000, maybe a $10,000 coaching, you need to be very, very specific to your subscribers and if you don't segment your list if you just keep sending the same sales pitch and the same messages to everybody who's on your list you are limiting how many people actually see your emails because your the inbox providers gmail yahoo and outlook and so on they classify your mails as spam more likely or at least put them into the promotional tabs and we, we can talk about why that is 
and you also send messages that don't resonate with people and then you just can't expect results this is interesting so um how do you actually approach it so is it like when people let's say opt into your lists are you asking them uh, a question directly on a sign up or when it comes yeah. to the to the tactical side and and then like are you following up for them obviously tackling their specific uh, situation over a certain period of time and then at the end let's say of a x day sequence you're just um bringing them back to like more kind of a general bucket where you're then sending out your daily emails or how do you approach it on the on the technical side yep that's exactly what i do uh, as of the recording somebody signs up to my email list they get one question in the first email and that question is what is one goal you want to achieve right now and then they get five different links that they could click on let's say i want to sell more digital products i want to sell my services i don't know what i'm doing i'm i feel stuck uh, i need more clients i need, want more email subscribers those are the five options And then each of the links in that survey, just on, on ConvertKit, it's simple text links. And then what you can do with ConvertKit and with ActiveCampaign, and I think MailerLite and MailChimp let you do that as well, probably many other platforms too. You can tag people as they click on links. So when somebody clicks on that link, I want a bigger email list, they get a tag that lets my system know that they are interested in getting more subscribers. So they click on that link, they get taken to a landing page with a one minute video of mine on there, elaborating more on what I can do to help them. Um, there's an, a form on that page where they can give me more information. There is uh, my best free content on that page related just to building an email list. And there's a relevant low ticket offer on that page as well. And I've done that for all the five items that I have. Then two hours after somebody signs up to my list, they get a reminder email asking, hey, did you get that first email that I sent two hours ago? Here's the lead magnet that you wanted to have. And also, if you don't mind, let me know what's the one goal that you want to achieve. And that questionnaire in the second email already is conditional content. So it only shows if somebody did not click on any of those five links in the first email. And I, I then bring the questionnaire up again in email three and in email four of my welcome sequence to really annoy those people who didn't click on them and to, to get as many clicks as possible. But those who did click, they don't see that questionnaire again and instead they see relevant content. This is very interesting. So, like, um, I love this in terms of building something in a very, very passive way, which means that it takes a lot of time, obviously, to to set everything up. But this is like how you can potentially squeeze the most out of your out of your subscribers. Um, so, for people who are just, let's say, wanted to dip their toes into um, getting starting with segmentation. Um, what is for you like the best process uh, they can follow? So obviously they are not going to, because like when, when I say you're just getting started, okay. So if I'm listening to this, then I need first to, first uh, I need to find out what, what the different buckets are. Then I need to yeah. create a, a low ticket course, which means that if I'm segmenting my list into five different buckets, that's five different courses. And then I have to no, set up... Not necessarily, yeah. yeah. You're, you're bringing up a fantastic point here. Mm -hmm. um, I would say get started by asking yourself what are the three or four most important and different reasons somebody would pay you for whatever you are selling. Let, let's say uh, I have a course... Let's say I've got my course on email list segmentation. Let's take that as an example right now. Mm -hmm. You buy a course like that, be it mine or somebody else's, if you want to sell more or if you are frustrated with your open rates or if you do email marketing for your boss 
because you could be an employed email marketer and your boss just told you, hey, I need more results from our email list. Why don't you do some email list segmentation? And you have no idea what that is. Um, so there are three different pain points as examples, and I would create a bucket for each of them because the person who is running this entire thing as an employee has a very different thought process from someone like you or me who's doing this as a solopreneur who really depends on the, the money coming in from the sequences. So we, we might be looking at this from how do you maximize the time and the time to revenue uh, ratio when it comes to email marketing, how much, how much time can I spend on my sequences and how much revenue can I expect to make from that? What, how can I make sure I'm not wasting my time when I write a new email sequence? Whereas the employee thinks, okay, I need to first get a full understanding of email segmentation, and then I can probably know what to report to my boss back and what sequences I need to set up. So getting clear on the different reasons your audience has to buy from you is the first step, I would say. Um, then the next step, I think that's critical and that's often overlooked, is visualize those buckets. I like to use mind maps for that because when you look at any marketing tool like, like um, ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign or MailChimp, they give you a list of sequences or they give you a list of automations, but they don't visualize how subscribers flow from one automation to another, where the handovers are. And that's why I'm a big fan of using mind maps for one of, for each bucket so that you can then map, okay, somebody goes into this bucket of, I want a bigger email list. Then they flow to this sequence. After that, depending on what action they take, they go to this sequence or the other sequence. And this is a system that grows as you learn more about your subscribers. It's not something that will be complex in the beginning if you're just getting started. You'll have a, a very simple mind map, but by doing this right from the get-go, you have a good overview of what is actually going on, and then you can you can expand the system. As you see people not responding to sequences, maybe there are new pain points that you are uncovering along the way, so it's really a process that grows, but always come from the perspective of why is somebody on the list, what can I do to serve them, and that's essentially dictating how you structure the sequences this is very interesting there so there are many things that are, that i want to go back to if you if you don't mind course, so yeah. the, the the first thing is that um what you just mentioned when it comes to visualizing the whole the whole automation process this is very interesting because um obviously people who who follow me are into you know, building a second brain and, 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 you know, managing their information. And there was like a new feature that came out recently um, in Obsidian, which is the tool that I use to, to take notes, um, which is called Canvas. And I recorded a video and then I put it on YouTube um, where I simply show like the different, like how to actually get started with it, but also the use cases. And one of the use cases I, I mentioned is that being able to visualize an email sequence, uh, like or an email segmentation, like how how actually people walk through your 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 funnel, right? And this is exactly like um, what what you mentioned right here is w when you use like th those mind maps, right? So yeah, this is like this is why I think segmentation can become very very quickly overwhelming because there are, as you mentioned, there are so many you know uh, turning points. So and, and also, like, you have to get all these conditions, right, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, one thing which, which I see here is the, is the essence of all this technical stuff is to understand the people that are opting in. So I would really love to hear what your thoughts and what's, what's your process to... Um, actually discover those pain pots, but I think since you are a seasoned internet marketer that you also work on what happens before people jump on your list. So please walk us through the process. You know, Matt, you are on point in this conversation. It's amazing. Um, 
understanding your target audience is the absolute foundation of everything you do no matter if it's email marketing or social or video or whatever even the products you create need to be coming from understanding your target audience and i am a big fan even though i said off camera everything i do is dictated by not being able to or by not being forced to spend my time on the same thing twice and i like to have scalable repeatable automated systems for understanding my target audience one-to-one -one conversations are the single best resource so there are obviously tools like answer the public you could even tap into chat gpt and ask chat gpt what are the common problems on email marketing and it will show you what the internet thinks are the most common problems on email marketing the the problem with that is you don't hear the voice of your exact audience you don't know how your audience phrases questions what they consider to be a pressing problem and you best discover that by having conversations that's also why i like twitter so much these days because you can have open conversations you can sneak into any conversation really if you know how to use the advanced search and you can research how people word things you can try to get them on a 15-minute call just just ask them questions and to help you understand their thought processes and if you are clever enough to organize that information in, in a reasonable way, as you've just described with the second brain or note-taking or whatever the process is that works for you, then you quickly identify those buckets and you know how to prime your audience on social and in long-form content and public top-of-the-funnel things that they get the right expectations before joining your email list because setting expectations is super important these days exactly and one of the interesting things is that when it comes to um actually getting or starting those one-on-one -on -one conversations like the interesting thing is that i remember when i when i launched my note-taking course or actually before launching the note-taking course um, which uh, this was like 10 months ago or something like this i just started you know getting people really showing like that they really were interested and then what i've done is like everyone who just opted opted in, into into the sequence i just asked them the question okay like what's your biggest pain point when it comes to, to taking notes and then people you know just start replying and i remember myself replying to over 800 emails by myself and yeah. i jumped on a i jumped on a call with with, with someone else in the in the note taking slash productivity space and actually i showed him like i went through my mailbox and, and and i told him okay look at all those conversations that i had with those people and like the guy was impressed like wow like you you've done all this by yourself but let me tell you this like the way that you've done it is it's not smart because like uh I use Coda and I use this kind of tool and people just go through, let's say, uh, through a quiz where they can just type in their answer. <laughs> and I just let the guy talk because like, I know that, okay, like right now, first of all, this is not, not really how, to, how you do like market research because as you mentioned, like what you want is you want really like how your market is, is framing those questions. This is the first step. The second thing is that nobody wants to, to complete service, right? Like let's say, um, what would have been my chance to to actually get real market feedback by sending out a Google form or whatever type of form rather than you know just Zero. just writing yeah this is exactly the point and like this is really the the legwork that you have to do like if there is something that you really can't automate is really understanding the market understanding people who are joining your your list and also like if you use as uh, um um if you have a kind of a tracking system. So one of the tracking system I have is that I know exactly like where people are coming from. It also shows you, okay, this kind of content, let's say attracted this kind of people. So this also allows you to refine your, your free content strategy to, to really understand, okay, let's say if, let's say my goal with my email segmentation course is just to target solopreneurs. I really don't want people who are, um, let's say uh, in a nine to five or like employees who, who want to develop their 
their, their email segmentation skills. Okay, then let's just see, okay, where these, these people come from and what can I do to perhaps also prevent them from, from joining my list? Because this is something that I faced is that most of the people who at the beginning who joined, like before I also started to, to segment my list, who's, who, who jumped on my email list, were people who were just, you know, interested in taking notes. Like, who's taking notes? Everyone and their dog is taking notes, right? But like, if you if I really want to target, let's say the content creators who are taking notes but are not able to turn their notes into publishable content, well, then I then I have to frame everything what comes before the the opt in 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 another way in order just to to get the right people. So, yeah, I, yeah. I was just you know talking a lot about that, but would love to hear your thoughts about this. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that because um, this is also heavily impacting the deliverability and the open rates of your emails. And it's a big mistake that I've made for way longer than I'm comfortable admitting. But <laughs> when you have this perception of I need as many people as possible on my email list, you are setting yourself up for a failure because you want the right people on your email list. And if you have somebody on the list who's not an ideal client, they probably never buy from you, no matter how many sales pitches you throw at them. And why have those people on your list? They're, they're just drag down your rates. They'll not open your emails. And therefore, Gmail or Outlook or whatever client they use knows, hey, Matt's or Jan's email is not relevant to that person. Let's aggregate that data and wow, there are many people on that list that don't open the email. So let's put that into the promotional tab the next time. And what you do in this case, coming back to that segmentation topic, is you segment in, into cold and into warm subscribers and ConvertKit does that automatically for you, I think on a 90-day window. I would love for it to be 60 days, honestly, because I'm a little bit more aggressive with that. But I don't think you can change that. And Essentially, everybody who didn't open an email of mine in the last 90 days and I send, or in 2023, I'll send a daily email. So it will be quite tough not to open one email from me in the next year. Um, they don't receive the daily email anymore. They go into a segment called cold subscribers. They go into a re-engagement campaign. And I'm just asking them, hey, do you still want to hear from me? And it's a two-email campaign that's spread out over a week. And then 10 days after they entered that segment and they didn't engage with any of those re-engagement campaigns, I unsubscribe them automatically. And that's it's perfectly fine because my emails aren't relevant for them anymore. So there's no point in me polluting their inbox. That makes uh, that makes perfect sense. And like just to give you... Um a little bit uh, like perhaps a, a real life example when it comes to quantity over quality, people think that, okay, I need a, I need a bigger list or I need more likes or I need more subscribers. I have a real, li real time, uh, a real life example on my, on my website. I'm going to put this in the show notes where I'm showing actually a screenshot of, uh, of one of my most popular videos on my, on my YouTube channel with over 17,000 uh, views uh, over 455 likes. And let me tell you this, this single video didn't brought in one penny in, in business. On the flip side, I have, <laughs> let's say, articles on Medium that have, you know, uh, perhaps, uh, I don't have the, the exact view numbers here, but I when it comes to claps, let's say I have only 400 and, uh, 400 and something claps, and eight comments, but this article brought in two thousand dollars in revenue. So, like, you can't really comp like you. You should not compare the size of your list with the money you can make out of it. If you have, let's say, a tiny list of high-paying uh, individuals, then you can compare that with a list of thousands or ten thousands of just freebie seekers, right? Right. Absolutely true. And. I have uh, this online event called List Building School where I've interviewed, I think, around 29 email marketing experts. And one of them is a lady called Summer Ways. And she shared in this conversation we had that she earned $15,000 in sales from a list of 250 people. 
<laughs> and the next promotion she ran was to a list of 800 people and she made 60 with a zero thousand dollars so there's no correlation whatsoever to revenue and email list size if you have the right offer and if you can put it in front of the right people at the right time yeah so it's it's and and you know what's the tricky thing and and what i really don't like about social media is that social media is designed in such a way that they're always putting the wrong metrics in front of you so if you're on youtube they're always you know pushing oh you got that many views or you have that much subscribers same thing when you go on any 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 social platform out there they are just like it's like they really want to train your brain okay i want these numbers to go up but this is not the metric that really matters that's going to be an interesting conversation that that we are now about to have because i actually think or i i was with you on that perspective for the last 11 and a half years and over mm -hmm. the past couple of weeks or maybe two months i came to change perspective a little bit and what really pushed me over the fence was twitter's most recent change that you can now see the reach of other people's tweets oh yes exactly i saw this uh, i'm not really excuse me for interrupting you but i saw i came across this Excuse me if uh, if I'm if I sound like a, like ahead. a grandpa, but I I just saw this maybe two days ago. <laughs> so I was like, oh, right now you can see the reach. So this has let's say a sixty person reach, and this one has fourteen, and this one has three hundred and fifty, and so like uh, I just came across this a few a few days ago. So yes, I would love to hear your your take on that. Yeah, I don't have figured out full i don't fully figured out how i best utilize this but i think that number can prove incredibly valuable for topic selection and for audience research say for example we were talking before the recording about the the twitter ad things that we were testing with one dollar a day campaigns and how you target accounts that have followers that are relevant to yourself and When I think about it, let's say I'll pick one account of somebody we both know, uh, Dennis Yu, friend from both of us, and I want to be in front of an audience that is like Dennis's audience, which is tough because he's all over the place from time to time. Um, I can look at his profile and I can use third-party tools to filter out for the most uh, most seen tweets. And then I can go back to Twitter and validate that information to see if that's actually the reach that Twitter is reporting themselves. So in terms of, I don't know what to write about in my welcome sequence, and I don't know what to write about in, in a weekly newsletter, going through relevant accounts with that have audiences you want to be in front of and then being able to see what topic resonates with that audience right now as other people tweeted on that exact same day i think can become a really valuable resource of information and inspiration this is this is interesting but the only thing that we have to to get right is that not every popular topic is um how, how can i frame it the right way not every popular topic is perhaps something that could be profitable that's true yeah so i think it, it, it's it's like kind of the engagement um thing so some people say okay just look at let's say a video that, that has a lot of likes to see if it's popular. Um, but are those really like the right things to look at? So I'm not quite sure. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure if there is like a one answer to, to everything. It may yeah. depend on, on the type of content and on the type of things. But I'm like... I certainly think that what you mentioned when it comes to market research, this is certainly something valuable. But let's say if I had to compare, okay, what kind of tweets, let's say, had a lot of um, engagement. And on the flip side, let's say I have a, a sales page of a product that I know is, is selling very well. 
I would take the sales page 10 times <laughs> because like, I think that like, <laughs> if, if, if you have, let's say a proven concept where people really are, are paying and, and pulling out their wallets, it's, yeah. it's, it's a better indicator than, you know, just pressing, pressing the like button. Yep, I agree with you. And I, I think what we have to put in context here, and it's great that you're pointing that out, is the different stages of the of the funnel that people mm -hmm. have. And I'm not, not to use this overused word, but there's a certain buying journey that we go through when we purchase something online. And the mm -hmm. the view count and engagement level that we see on social media certainly goes onto the top of the funnel where we try to get people's awareness and we try to make them aware of the problems that they are facing and how we could solve that for them. And then the the email would sit below that in the middle of the funnel doing more relationship building and building building trust, building authority, challenging the perceived solution that the subscribers might already have in mind and explaining to them why our solution might be the better one and the one that's actually proven to work instead of what they've been trying for five years that didn't produce any results. And then the sales page comes in that you just brought up. And I 100% agree with you on that purpose. It's like, um, don't reinvent the wheel on sales pages. Don't start from scratch, but look at what other people do successfully and then put your own spin on that yeah exactly and and i think like the only the only interesting thing of really chasing those numbers when it comes to subscribers or followers it's just because like number one um it gives you some kind of social proof because yeah despite we having this deep conversation about this this deep marketing conversation about why numbers are are useless when it comes to to the actual money that you're making 99% of the market still think that um well if you have a lot of followers it means that you um you're actually successful and yeah like if you only have let's say 352 followers then you you cannot like then you're not a successful business owner right but this doesn't say anything so this is like the only thing like why i think having a large subscriber number on on social media can be useful so perhaps yeah. uh yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it certainly makes things easier and um i would say a better metric to focus on is the number of thoughtful conversations you have with your audience rather than the the follower count and while we're talking about numbers, um, should we touch another heated topic in the in the email space and talk about open rates and how they are how they can be inflated and deflated and all those things? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. you, you know that, and both of the listeners will know with iOS fourteen point five or what it was that open rates essentially became meaningless in in many people's eyes because the Apple privacy servers would open every single email to scan it for malware and things like that. And there are other security tools out there that click on every single link in your email automatically. Yeah. I, have a, I have a few subscribers on my list who click every single link in every single email that I've ever sent to them over the past uh, for 24 months. <laughs> and <laughs> when I try to reach them manually, of course, they don't respond. So it's clear that they are not actually reading my email, but that's the software that's doing that for them. And I, I unsubscribe them actually because at, at the fifth time of not replying to my personalized outreach, then they're clearly not reading my emails. Um, I still use those numbers as indicators though, and I'm still proud of getting my open rate up to 50% from 5% even though ConvertKit is known to slightly inflate the numbers from what I hear and other platforms like maybe ActiveCampaign are deflating the numbers a little bit and showing a little bit more conservative estimates because I think those those metrics, click rate and open rate, are a health indicator for your email list. And if you see them go up, you know that you're doing something right. And if you see them go down, you know that you're doing something wrong. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I really was about to tackle this, the open rates. Um, and I published a few months ago, like an article on, on, on Medium when it, when it comes to 
why open rates are, are useless. And like I really, you know, featured let's say some 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 case studies that show that, as you mentioned, like it's 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 just inaccurate, but it may give you like kind of a kind kind of an indicator, right? Like how you're doing. If 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 you know that the numbers are are flawed, so if if they go up, then they certainly go go up in 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 a way, right? But like you don't really just don't have to really overthink. Okay, I just want to get from fifty seven to. 63% or that kind of stuff. So yeah, just <laughs> Yeah, you can't stroke your ego with that as much. But here, here's an example of how I use open rates in, in my segmentation campaigns. Um, my welcome sequence has an average open rate. So that's an, an eight email sequence has an average open rate of 64.7%, uh, click rate of 16.5%. And then I have a segmented, sequ a segmented sequence that has 10 emails in there. Yeah, 10 emails right now that has an average open rate of 46.7% and a click rate of 4%. And give or take, it's flawed. But in that segmented sequence, I have various topics that I'm covering. So I have a few emails that go out with the topic of how do you write emails more easily. Then they are followed by topics on how do you grow your list on Twitter? Um, how do you use AI copywriting tools? What are some mistakes you make in selling in your emails? And I can see based on the different subject lines and the different click rates and, and open rates, which topics resonate best with that audience, how I can tweak that segmentation campaign. For example, I have a, an email that goes out with the subject line, an unusual way to get more subscribers that has a 74.4% open rate and 7% click rate. So that's, that's the highest in that entire sequence. So I need to put out more content like that for that specific segment of my email list. That's yeah, that's, that's very, very interesting and a very, very interesting uh, way to, to really spot out. Like um, I see this also like on, on my end. So um, when you're just, you know, creating a sequence with a lot of emails, you actually see the things that resonate with people and what people, what people click on. So it's at the end, it's still a volume game, right? You have to pour a yep. lot of content out to just see like what works and what doesn't then just tweak accordingly. Yeah. And I, I like to use to reuse my regular newsletters for those segmentation campaigns. So every, I would say six weeks or eight weeks, I go through the past campaigns that I send as my newsletter and pick out the five or six that have been the best performers and put them into the relevant sequences and just add to that. I mean, it seems like you're you're doing the exact same stuff that I'm doing because, like, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm doing the exact same thing. Like, I, I just look at like one one of the things that I found like we have we have in common when it comes to have the, having this leverage thinking, which means that okay, like you just wrote an email once, and perhaps this email deserves to be recycled. Be, because yeah. like it just resonated with with others and then you just you just see what works you just see what people click on and then well you just move in, into let's say your welcome sequence or your any other kind of sequence that, that you have when it comes to promoting your product or building a relationship or, or or any kind of objective that you have and then like this email that you wrote once will get sent like thousands and thousands of 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 um of times over over the next years and this is how you really leverage um one single email because again the 80 20 rules applies in your emails too so you're going to have 80 percent of waste and 20 percent that will actually be killer emails so why don't yep. take them and recycle them absolutely and then what i also like to do that uh gives me a lot of confidence in being able to consistently email as I have this evergreen sequence that just sends out every Tuesday and I, that I just expand on every single week. And in those emails, I go out to the warm subscribers. So it's not segmented based on pain points or something like that. Just one email to the entire list. But then in those email contents themselves, 
I use conditional content based on the pain points that I segmented my lists, my subscribers by. And then when I pitch a course or something like that or an affiliate product, I use different angles for the pitch based on the pain point rather than setting up various evergreen sequences altogether. I have one sequence and then I just use conditional content in the emails themselves to reflect the segments. This is this is very very smart. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, uh, Jan. Do you is there anything that that you want to add be, before we wrap up this uh, very very interesting conversation? Um, I'll send you a coupon code for my hit the inbox email training. So everybody who's listening to this and who stuck with us to the very end, make sure to check out the show notes because in there you'll get a one hundred percent discount code on on my free training or on my pay training. You'll get it for free to increase your open rates by simply hitting the inbox more often. Awesome, awesome! Thank you very much. Like it is a very, very this this is this is very, very valuable. Like. Um, if you're sending emails and your email just gets trapped in the, in the promo or the spam tab, I mean, then you just wasted all your efforts. So, like, definitely, like, this this training will certainly help you get started on, on the right foot. And thank you very much, Jan, for um, for actually giving us the, the, this coupon. <laughs> Truly appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. I had a blast, um, Matt. Thank you so much. No, like it, it, it's my pleasure. So if people want to know more about you and what you're currently up to, obviously, like they are going to know you if they, if they sign up, if they sign up, if, excuse me, if they sign up for your, um, for your hitting the inbox course. But if let's say they want to, you know, look a little bit at your website or perhaps our social media profile, what's the best play that they should go? Jankoch.co, J-A-N-K-O-C-H. .co. That's the website. You can find everything about me there. And um, I'm most active on Twitter these days at I am Jan Koch. Awesome, awesome. Obviously, I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Jan, thank you very much for this insightful conversation. And well, I look forward to see you in another episode in, in a few months. Yes, very much looking forward to that, Matt. All right, so hope that you've enjoyed this episode today. If it's the case, then you're also probably going to enjoy my daily emails. I'm going to leave a link in the description. Thank you very much for tuning in today, and I hope to see you next week with another amazing episode. Stay tuned.